1 Corinthians 4, and we'll begin in just a minute. We're going to read our verse, and then uh, I want to preach a message to you this morning about the faith of our fathers, faith of our fathers. Um, and I hope today that you are in good relationship with your father. If your father's still living, you know, not too long from now is Father's Day. But uh, as I look back, uh, both of my dads are dead. I had a dad that raised me, and then I had a dad that was my biological father. They're both, uh, they're both with the Lord now. And I miss them badly. I really do. I miss them real bad. I don't have anybody to call with my dumb questions but, um, uh, that loves me. So, you know, but uh, I learned a lot uh, from each one of them. But uh, there's something more important than uh, just maybe learning a skill, you know, from your dad. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about that. So what, what you hand down to your children, what was handed down to you, and what God expects us to hand down to our, our, our families is so important. Let's, uh, let's pray. Hold your place there, please, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, today we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the beautiful weather. We thank you that nobody in our church is feeling bad uh, that I know of. Lord, nobody has contacted, contracted the, the virus. Thank you for your watch care over us. And thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. Thank you, Father, for the verse in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that you have not given us that spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. And thank you so much that perfect love casts out fear. And we love you today, Lord Jesus. We love you openly. We love you publicly and we love you privately and we love you personally and we thank you for the love of God and we know that we love you because you first loved us. Thank you for your love that you showed to us. Help us now in this dark time in America in many parts of the world. We need you and we pray that we would uh, be faithful, loving Christians that honor God in every area of our life. And bless this whole day and thank you for even the service that we're planning to have tonight. Be with us and protect us. Insulate and isolate that virus and help, help it to die out. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many, how many like that thing to just go away? God's able. God's able. All right. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, we want to uh, focus on one verse this morning that will uh, be a blessing to us. And the Apostle Paul was in a very wicked city called Corinth. They had a lot of problems and they didn't know much at all about the scriptures. And after he went there, he, uh, he started a church. And they had lots of problems. Oh my goodness, they were, they were talking in tongues and all kinds of strange stuff. They were abusing the Lord's Supper. They had fornication in the church. They had uh, all kinds of problems, maybe incest and whatnot. It was, just a, it was just a terrible, terrible place. Now, what I want to say is that the Apostle Paul talked to them in chapter 4 
And he said something interesting. Um, Look at verse 15. He said, for though we have 10,000 instructors in Christ. That's not to say that instructors are not good or needed or valuable. It's, there's a lot of people. We, we have a lot of teachers, a lot of instructors, a lot of people on, uh, on, the, on the Internet. A lot of people think they know the Bible. A lot of uh, pontificating, postulating, expostulating, bloviating people. Amen? We have a lot of people that think they're uh, self-prescribed scholars and uh, uh, they talk more and more, less and less, and they arrive out of breath. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, the Bible says there's to and fro and knowledge will increase. And so what Paul's saying here, we've got a lot of people that teach. Nothing wrong with that. You have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Yet have ye not many fathers. Notice this. Not many fathers. You know what we need? We need father figures in our churches we need father figures in our homes we need fathers this isn't a father's day message but i'm i'm getting someplace if you'll if you'll be patient he said yet have you not many fathers for in christ jesus i have begotten you through the gospel you know what paul was saying i'm your father figure i be, i begat you i have begotten you uh, what was it, two weeks ago, Brother David, that, that we met the man that led you to Christ? And uh, I, like, I like what he calls his, his friend, uh, his name is David too, but he calls it, he, he's my father in the faith. Amen. I love that. You know what? We need more fathers in the faith. And by the way, ladies, you can be a father in the faith to somebody. Did you know that? That's kind of that's interesting to hear in church. But if you're a lady, you can actually win somebody to Christ. And you, you, you're of the father figure in, in the way that uh, Paul's talking about. You have a lot of people that teach, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody needs teachers. And, but in Christ, you have a lot of people that seem to know how to teach, but not many fathers. For in Christ, he said, I have begotten you through the gospel. So, and then he said, look at verse 16. Because I have begotten you, because I've led you, and because I'm your father figure, this is exactly what he's saying. Wherefore, I beseech you, that's an old word for beg you, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. So uh, there's nothing wrong with good leadership. Would you say amen to that? I'm not talking about cultish leadership. I'm talking about good, solid leadership. You know, that's what we need in America. And, and, and a leader that won't uh, just, uh, you know, just cloud everything with some kind of a, a big, long teaching thing, but just like, here's how to get it done. Here's what you need in your life. You know, I, I just thank God for people in my life that just cut through all the, all the foam and the, and, the, and the bloviating and teach me how to be a man and teach me how to be you know, a, a good husband and teach me how to be a, a good dad. And I just need, how many understand we all need that kind of stuff? You know, leadership can be really emotional sometimes and confusing. 
But he, he's saying here, we don't have many fathers, not many fathers. Now, the day that our nation's forefathers formed America and uh, framed and signed the, uh, the Declaration of Independence, I'll tell you what, they were, there was a group of leaders right there. You talk about James Madison and Patrick Henry and George Washington and, uh, my goodness, uh, uh, what's the guy with the glasses, Benjamin Franklin? I, I never see his name, uh, face very often because it's on the 100. Not anyway, but uh, Declaration of Independence was signed. You know what they all did <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in Philadelphia at, at Freedom Hall there? You know what they did? They got down on their knees and prayed right after they signed that. They all got together and they formed a country and it was in the middle of terrible times and a lot of pressure was on them, but they were leaders. And they we call them the fathers of our country, our forefathers. And boy, we had some great guys, didn't we? We had some fantastic people. And they all and they had fantastic families and wives that 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 helped them. And what we, we have a good heritage in this country because we had good leaders. Now, our nation has 10,000 teachers, but not many, not many strong, fearless fathers. So this morning, I want to encourage you today to be a, a, the kind of a leader that God would have you to be. Now, the Bible says that uh, leadership is, uh, is it, you have to be a good follower first. So I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I'm still working on the leadership part. And I'm still working on the fellowship part. If I don't follow the Lord, you got no business coming to this church. Did you know that? Can I say that again? If I don't follow the Lord, you don't have to come here. But if I'm following the Lord, there's a place right here for you to learn how to follow God. Amen? If I've got a good marriage, then probably you ought to think twice about uh, maybe, maybe getting some uh, good advice instead of from someplace else. Maybe you ought to ask your pastor how his marriage is doing, right? Is that okay? I feel funny saying that because I am the pastor. But uh, if you're wondering how to raise children, maybe you should go and find somebody that, that would uh, be able to tell you a few things, right? We've got a lot of wisdom in our church. And I'm not, I'm not the best dad in the world <laughs> unless you ask my kids. Uh, but anyway, I'm just saying... I'm not the best there is. I'm not the greatest there is. But, but there's some leadership in our lives that we can share together, right? Everybody okay? That, the, the Bible says the church is the pillar and the ground of truth. And if you're not getting truth and, 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 and leadership at your church, where in the world can you find it? You ought to get it at the church, right? And so we get it from the Bible and we share it to the church. And the church looks in the Bible and they share it with each other. And then we go out and we give it to the community. And that's why we're uh, rather uh, in a group of persecuted people because the world thinks we're crazy. The world thinks we're crazy. But God knows we're not. We're not crazy. Uh, we we're actually have, have a book of leadership. So what we need, number one, we need fathers who can fight against enemies now i'm going to relate of course the wars in our country but did you know that our country 
it should be strong. Are you with me? I mean, uh, militarily wise, would you agree with that? If we're not strong militarily wise, people would have the, uh, uh, the encouragement to come and try to do things and try to wipe. Uh, it happens all over society, all over the world. Any, uh, you know. So I'm, I'm saying that if you look in society uh, in, in America, we have had some really big, wonderful, fantastic leaders of heroes. And I still look up to them. I still love to read their stories. Uh, I've relayed one to you today about General Patton, but, you know, in World War II, does anybody remember a guy by the name of uh, uh, Colonel Doolittle? He was a leader. He took a squadron of planes and he went to uh, Tokyo and bombed Tokyo and uh, they all crashed in China and, uh, boy, they lost a few. And then there's Admiral Halsey. I love... Uh, looking at pictures and, and, and looking at documentaries about all these old strong leaders that we used to have. Uh, Audie Murphy, the, I think he was the most decorated uh, soldier in World War II. And he was just kind of a young guy, but he was, he was a leader. And then I, look, I read the, uh, the memoirs of uh, General Eisenhower and how that he was a football star and he, in the Midwest and he became a, a five-star general. Eisenhower and MacArthur. I got to read uh, all about MacArthur's got a book called My Reminisce. And he goes back and he tells a whole story, autobiography of everything. And I noticed one thing about these men. They were leaders and they weren't scared to fight. Uh, George Patton and, and Chester Nimitz and guys out in the Navy, uh, which I'm kind of partial to, uh, Admiral uh, Spruance and um, Fletcher. They, they named a whole fleet of ships over uh, the Fletcher class, and then the, um, the Spruance class destroyers. Uh, these guys were worthy of, uh, of men. Listen, I got, even in Vietnam, how about Vietnam? You know, we need some men that are ready in the fight. Our country wasn't backing those people, those good men. Those good men came from farmhouses and people. They were fighters, and they were willing, and they got drafted, and they went anyway. Uh, I have a friend. His name is uh, Ralph Dixon. His dad was a Green Beret in Vietnam. And uh, his dad ha had uh, taken this uh, big, huge uh, hut. Uh, it was like a two-story hut on stilts, you know, because of the, the, the pat rice patties. And so he, uh, he used that at his headquarters. And uh, I'm not sure how big. It was a group of Green Beret. His whole uh, division or, or company or platoon, whatever it was. But he was headquarters. He was a captain in the, uh, uh, the Green Beret. And he had headquartered in this hut. And um, so the orders came from upper, upper brass, said, you got to move. And they had to go. And uh, uh, Ralph Dixon's dad, he was just kind of upset because he really liked that hut. And he goes, man, uh, I got to, I, I wish we could take that hut with us. You know, he just said it. Kind of like David did. Remember David said, oh, I wish I had a drink of water from the fountain of Jerusalem. But guess what those guys did? Those Green Beret guys, you know what they did? They disassembled that hut stick by stick by stick and carried it, I don't know how many miles, to where they had to uh, set up camp. And they built that hut right where that new camp was. Now, you know why they did that? Because that guy was a leader, that guy, and they loved him. They loved that man. 
And, you know, we, our country, how many say our country needs some leadership? And we need godly leadership. We, we need fathers that would uh, be ready to fight if necessary. I heard a story about a North Korean uh, war uh, when, in, in uh, the Korean War. I think it was 1950 to 52 or 53, right in there. It was a very short war. But um, there was one story that really stuck out in my mind. There was a, a, a Chinese man by the name of Chu In Lee. He was in the United States Marine Corps, and he was a major. And at the time of this story, he was a lieutenant. Now, the, the, the short story was that he had a big uh, uh, bunch of guys behind him. There was, behind him, there was about uh, an 8,000-man uh, group, and he wasn't in charge of all of it. But, but they came up to a, uh, a, 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 a stalemate. And the North Korean soldiers were stopped, and they were stopped, and nobody would go and, uh, and, and engage. And so what this, uh, this Chinese lieutenant did was he decided that he would lead. And he went out, and he exposed himself, and he ran up into the no-man's land between the two armies, and he, 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 he said loudly in Chinese, it's me. Don't shoot. I'm Chinese. And it stopped. And uh, finally, he got a shot at one of the guys. And he, and he exposed himself to the enemy fire. And so all of the American uh, Army soldiers went into that and chased him out. And he saved the whole battle. He got the highest honor in the, in the uh, Marine Corps other than the Medal of Honor. It was called the Navy Cross. And he got that because he was a leader. And he went out and said, I don't care. I, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. And you see, uh, that kind of leadership, that's what makes boys and girls uh, safe. That, that's what makes little boys want to do something great. Amen? That's what, that's what makes a boy want to, yeah, I'm going to go build something. I'm going to go out into no man's land. I'm going to get something done. Our fathers, listen, I hope we never have to go to a war again. Would you say amen to that? But what if we did have to? Wouldn't it be great to have some great leaders? I mean, some good men that are strong and, and, and they want to fight. I don't like fighting. I don't like fighting at all. In fact, my dad told me, when you get in a fight with a girl, there's only one thing you can do. He said, run. <laughs> and... Uh, it wasn't too long after that I was running. The girl on the basketball court. I'll never forget that. I did. I ran. I'm ashamed of myself. I wish my dad had never said that. But what was my, oper what was my alternative? I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't hit a girl. I don't care how big she is. I can't do it. Uh, I, uh, I don't care if they, they got MMA fighters. I, but a man that wants to fight, I'm not talking about only physical fighting, amen? I'm talking about, man, we've got to have some fight. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Fight. We need some men that are ready to fight. Do you fight for what's right? Oh, my soul, we've got to have some men in this country that are willing to fight. Fathers not only that can fight, but number two, here's something. We need fathers who can provide. For their families. Amen. 
You know what? There's a scourge in America of lazy bums. They call them deadbeat dads. My dad told me, he said, son, I've never been more than a month out of work. And I don't care if you have to flip burgers. You get a job. And man, he burned that into my heart. And <laughs> I had to test that too. Uh, you know, you've heard the term deadbeat lazy bum dads. I'm sorry. This isn't even a Father's Day message, but I like it. I've had to wash windows. I've had to throw sacks of concrete, deliver tile, clean toilets, clean laundromats. I have uh, clean gutters. I've pressure washed driveways. I've welded at the shipyard. I've welded at other ship or shipyard uh, subcontractors. Um, I, I just, I don't care. I've fixed broken gates. I've done uh, roofs. I've built fences. Anything it takes, I'm going to provide for my family. Amen? I don't care what it takes. And uh, you say, well, you're a pastor. You don't have to work. If you want to change jobs, man, let me have your job and you pay me minimum. You, I'll tell you what, you pay me minimum wage as a pastor for every hour I have to do stuff. And, and I'll buy you a Cadillac by, with I'll have so much money. No, I'm, I'm just saying, listen, uh, it, takes, it, takes, it takes men that, I'll tell you what happened, really. It's just so... So humiliating for me. I don't care what everybody else has been through. For me, it was horrible. I got laid off from the shipyard in San Diego once, and I found myself without a job. So I got a severance check, and um, uh, I got that green slip that they hand you, and they said, well, we'll contact you whenever we get more work, so we got to let you go. You're low man on the totem pole. You've only been here a year. So I got home. And I told Julie, I said, oh, man, I got laid off today. And she said, well, I knew it was possible, but what? I said, yeah, but I got our last check. And it was like $600. Do you know what we did? We went down to Ralph's grocery store. And we filled up two big, huge carts full of food because I was in it for the long haul. And it wasn't all toilet paper. <laughs> Why do people do that today? But, I mean, we had everything. So we got two big old carts, took it home, spent every dime on whatever bills we had to pay and bought the groceries. And I said, I don't know what to do. So we filled up the, the, the cupboards with all the groceries. And I said, oh, man, I never felt so bad in all my life. I'm, I'm unemployed. I don't have a thing to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I had a lot, a lot I could do. So I went down to my best buddy's uh, gun store at that time, in California, he actually had one. He was my best buddy. And I said, Doug, I got laid off the shipyard. He said, what are you going to do, man? I said, I don't know. I think I'm going to go have a cup of coffee and read my Bible. <laughs> so I went down to a restaurant. Back then, they were open. And I had, I, had, I, had a, I had a cup of coffee, and I put my Bible on the counter, and I started reading, and I had the most wonderful peace come over my heart. And the Lord said, I'm not dead. Did you know God didn't die? I mean, in America right now, did you know he's still alive? 
If you believe God's alive, would you please say amen? amen. He's alive. And I thought, hey, I'm okay. I got a cup of coffee and my Bible and God. I, I was, I'm a rich man. And I said, you know what? God's not dead. I'm going to be okay. So I went back to Doug the next day and I said, Doug, I think, I think I'm going to start a window cleaning business. I did that in college to get through. And I thought, oh, it's San Diego, lots of good weather. I think I'll try it. So uh, he said, uh, how much money you need? <laughs> I said, well, that's another thing I got to borrow. So he loaned me $200. I had an old 68 Galaxy 500, uh, called it my white stallion. And uh, it had, had the three. Uh, please, don't be offensive. That's a good car. It was a 390. Amen. That's a good engine. And uh, the, the Galaxy 500, 390 engine, white, had a big old huge trunk. And uh, I put a, a ladder rack on top of it. I borrowed 200 bucks from Doug. And I said, look, I got to get busy. I can't sit here and wait. Uh, and, and, and so uh, through other people, they said, well, you got to go down to the unemployment line. And I said, what's that? And they said, oh, yeah, they hand out free money. And I said, really? That sounds pretty good. So I went down to the unemployment line. And there's a big old huge sea of people in there. It wasn't like people that had good attitudes either. It was like grouchy people. And I thought, what am I getting into? And I, there's a big long line up to the counter where you get checked in. So I got in line. I was looking around. I said, what am I doing here? I am wasting time. I am wasting time. And they, and, and they said, okay, next. And they had to fill out this big sheet of paper and stuff and tell about uh, all this information and where you're going to go to look for work and how many times you're going to look for work and how many places you've been to look for work, and, uh, which is all good. I said, I'm going to waste time filling all this paperwork out when I could be making money someplace. I'm going to go do How many ever mowed lawns for money? Some of you girls, no, no, no. Hey, you can wash dishes, clean gutters, it doesn't matter. But I, I found myself in this line, and I kept hearing all these comments and people's attitudes, and I thought, this isn't for me. I got to get out of here. As I left, I didn't even fill out the paperwork. I said, I got to get out of here. I got to go find a job. And so I went down to the uh, printing shop, and I got business cards, and I went down to the window cleaning uh, place where you get the supplies. I bought a bunch of squeegees and a ladder. And I put the ladder on top. I spent every dime of the 200 bucks I had. And you know what I did? I just went to every rich house I could find. Hi, hey, uh, you got anybody doing your windows? No. Would you like me to give you a free bid? Well, sure. Run around the house. Look around how much. Okay. And... Uh, th this will be uh, this this house will be three hundred and fifty bucks. Oh, that sounds great. When can you start? I thought, Whoa, this is better than the unemployment line. So you know what happened? My first month, I got like five hundred bucks, and I thought, okay. My second month, it was like twelve hundred dollars, and then the shipyard calls me back. 
hey, uh, we got some more work. Uh, we don't want to have you come back. And I, oh, no, what do I do? I got my new business and I got the shipyard. I got the new business and my shipyard. And my wife's going, take the shipyard, take the shipyard, take the shipyard. <laughs> she said, I don't care what you do. I thought, okay, I, I, I got to make a step of faith here. I got to do something. And I knew there was stability and lots of money. And lots of, uh, what do you call it, uh, benefits and health care and uh, medical and dental and eye care. And then I got my little sweet little window cleaning business. I can't give it up. I got to do it. And she thought maybe I'd gone crazy. But I said, you know, I think the Lord wants me to start this window cleaning business. And she said, okay, whatever. Now, how many would like to have a wife like that? And so she said, okay. And so all of a sudden, within just a few months, I was making more than the shipyard. And I thought, I'm going to die. There's too much work. I can't do it all. I don't want to hire anybody right now. But it freed me up. So what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes you just need to go and just give it everything you've got just to provide for your family. Amen? And I don't know what the, what the world does. Everybody's looking for a big fat handout. And, and if I get a handout, I'm not giving it back. But I, you know what I mean. I mean, I heard there's a stimulus package of three uh, trillion dollars. Listen, thank you very much. But I'm not greedy of that. I, I, I think it'd be kind of dumb to give it back, don't you? Would somebody say amen? This is a Baptist church. But, uh, you know, I, but I, I just couldn't stand in the line. I had to get going, and the Lord blessed, you know, and it really, he really did. And I'm just saying sometimes we need to encourage people. Listen, I know things are rough, but you've got, you got God on your side. And uh, you, you, if you get going, uh, my, uh, what's, what's, what's uh, uh, Philippians 4.19 say? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a promise of God. And the uh, Bible says, a man, if he doesn't work, he should not eat. Uh, is this new to America? <laughs> I'd say let's get going and let's be leaders. Amen? Be initiative. Uh, uh, be, be entrepreneurial and, and, and strive and fight and keep going. And you'd be surprised what God will do. Uh, it's amazing those people that work so hard, they get so lucky, don't they? The people that work harder seem to have more luck and the world doesn't know what to do. And then lastly, we need fathers who can hand down true faith in Christ to their own children. You may have, uh, you may have never fought uh, in an army. You, you may have never had to go out and do something to provide for your family like that. But you know what? You can, you can be a leader handing down to your family what, what God would have you to hand. The most important thing is to hand your faith down to your children. And you know, you say, well, what about the cults? Listen, I got no understanding why anybody would ever join a cult if he's got a, a half a brain in his head. I think, though, that there is a way that God can bless a family and you can give truth to your children. Amen? Amen. And, and it's available. The Bible, the, the world doesn't have to uh, uh, dictate to us. The Bible tells us, okay, here's the truth. Give it to your children. Here's the truth. 
uh, give it to your family. Look, look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. We, we do need to fight sometimes, and I hope that never happens again. But I'll be ready. I really will. If the Lord wanted me to, I'd, I'd fight again. I would fight. I've never been to war. But I, I would be willing to go. In the Civil War, there was grandpas out there fighting. Did you know that? There, there's grandpas. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now, you, you may never have had to do something. Maybe, maybe you've had a great job. That's wonderful. Thank God for that. But this is where the, the end of the message is in chapter 6. This is where it's, where it's really important. Look at verse 4. Chapter 6, verse 4. Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt, look at, teach them diligently unto thy children. See that there? There's where, there's where every mom and dad can be a great leader. There's where we have the fathers. You want to be a real good father? Hey, how about you single folks? Did you know that you can be a father figure to somebody? Everybody with me? You can be a father figure to somebody. You don't have to actually have a child. You can still be a father figure. I've been a father figure before I got married to, peop- to young teenagers. And, and I taught children's church for four years, maybe eight years. Had 70 kids in one class, 70 kids, 30, 35 girls and 35 boys for four years straight. And, and I was their father figure. A bus captain is a father figure. A Sunday school teacher is a father figure. And it says, teach them diligently to thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou uh, liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And thy, uh, uh, they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thine ho- thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not and houses full of of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees uh, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods, of the gods of the people which are round about you. How many think right now with me that maybe America forgot God? Do you know that uh, there's a whole lot of emptiness in America right now where it used to be filled up with godly preachers and godly people in America? Did you know what? America's pretty much, uh, with all that good heritage, we've kind of drifted away from God and he's a stranger now. He's a stranger. This book is a stranger in America. A lot, very many people know this book anymore. It's not a stranger in my house. It's not a stranger to my kids. 
but it's a stranger in America. Boy, we drifted away from God. He said, verse 16, You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Mesa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee as the Lord hath spoken. And when, listen, this is it now, the last, uh, I want to I conclude with this. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, what mean the, the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you. Hey, Dad, Mom, what do you mean by all this? Where did you get all this faith? Where did you get the Bible? What do you mean by it? Why do we live the way we live? Look at verse 21. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great and sore upon Egypt, and upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in, to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our, God, our good, always, that he might preserve us alive, as it is at this day. And lastly, it shall be, uh, or excuse me, and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as He hath commanded us. You know what? We're supposed to teach our children how to serve the Lord. We're supposed to teach our children what church is all about. Okay, I've never been to war. Okay, I, I have tried real hard to provide for my family, but you know what God's really excited about? He's really excited about you being a good father to hand down the faith. Remember Paul said, I've begotten you through the gospel.